You're going to be blessed today because we have a, he's a guest speaker, but he's someone you all know and love. Uh, Zach Clift is going to be coming in a few minutes. Yes. I love it when Zach speaks. I love it when he preaches. He's got such uh, just amazing wisdom in him, and uh, he is so active in this church. He and his wife, they do beautiful things in kids' world. He's active in AV ministry. He does all kinds of things, and uh, so he is going to, I know he's going to really bless you. All right. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? All right. Good deal. Uh, If you were here to see someone else, I apologize, but uh, I'll do my best to uh, kind of suffice for today. But um, I am honored to be speaking here today. Today is actually my third time getting a chance to speak on a Sunday morning. In the fifth, uh, no, no, it's a five-year anniversary to the day of the time I almost spoke. Um, And I don't know if you guys remember, but Hurricane Harvey hit five years ago. And uh, yeah, so anyway, I was telling Scott, like, I think we can still do church. Like, it's flooded. There's three feet of water everywhere, but I think we're good. And uh, he was very wise and was like, hey, we'll get you. So I did a couple weeks later and got the chance to, uh, to speak. But anyway, so the good news is there's no major uh, weather events that are happening, at least right here. And so that's, I would say, positive. Um, but one other thing that is also kind of similar since the last time here, and let's see if this pops up here. Um, so couple things. One, Elsie was not born yet. Actually, she was born like five days after I spoke uh, the last time. And we're hoping it's not five days from this time that the next one comes. But that was Elsie. She's the biggest one. And then we have Eleanor there, Eleanor Daisy. And uh, we have a third one coming. So that's kind of like the similarity. And uh, hopefully that will be like in about a month. His, his name, we think, will be Henry. Um, but Pam reserves the right to change it. Uh, and so, yeah, that's my wife, uh, uh, Pam, right there. So, anyway, so a little bit about me, just so you can kind of know. Um, been coming here for a little while now, I guess. Uh, I think we're coming up on a 23rd year that I've been here. My wife, she's like, she's 34, maybe. So she's been going here for about 35 years. And so she was, she was coming even before she was here. Um, so we've been here for a little bit of time, um, and I've got a chance to speak a lot of times in the youth ministry or men's groups or whatever else. But as people knew that I was speaking today, I was trying not to tell people that I was speaking today because I wanted people to come today and then not like skip out. But people kept asking me, are you, are you nervous to be speaking um, up here? And I've gotten a chance to speak, uh, like I said, quite a few times. But everyone just kept asking me, like, are you nervous? Are you nervous? And honestly, it kind of started making me a little bit nervous. Like, am I supposed to be nervous up here? Ah, oh, man, I might feel nervous. But I also think I don't feel that nervous because um, last week I led, uh, my wife and I, we led the kids' ministry in, in there. And I think if I can do that on a Sunday, like when I come in here, this is easy. I can do this. Like, we can keep people's attention. I know if I can keep, you know, five-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old attention, we can do it in here, I think, Hopefully. I have faith in you guys that it's going to be, uh, it's going to be good. So, all right, hang on here. All right, I might need a little help here. Okay, so um, the first one I want to start out with here is Psalms 66. I think I got it here on the screen. Yep, so come and hear all you who fear God, and let me tell you what he has done for me. Psalms 22.22 says, I will declare your name to my people in the assembly, which is where we're at. We're in an assembly, and I will praise you. Okay? 
And then Psalms 105 says, give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, and make known among the nations what he has done. And some of us are doing that, among the nations. Amen. So, before we kind of get into a little bit of what I'm going to be talking about today, I want to kind of set the stage a little bit about a a personal um, time that I had actually here sitting in one of the services, and I was listening to uh, Pastor Scott, and uh, it was a time when I actually received a lot of freedom in my ability to share and proclaim his name among the nations. Okay, so as you know, if you are a believer in here, that's great, and if you're not, that's okay too. We, uh, we'll see what happens. But, um, so I was, I was in here, and sometimes I would get super nervous because, you know, my faith is something that's probably the most important thing in my life. And it has a lot of, uh, there's a lot of things that kind of all hinge on that. And it, it means a lot, and I want to share that with other people. And so I used to feel so much stress, and I don't know if anxiety is the right word, but I just kind of felt like a lot of pressure that um, to some of my friends who maybe had questions about their faith or they had issues with previous dealings in the church or whatever the case might be, I felt tremendous pressure to have all of the answers to, because this meant something. And I was like, hey, I gotta, have, I gotta really study. I gotta know every single thing. Okay, what's the new question that they could possibly have? Let me get that answer so that I can convince them and I can have them understand, okay? So I was in here on a Sunday and, uh, you know, this is kind of like all pressure that's happening in the background. It's not like, you know, something that you think about all the time, but it's a pressure that I used to feel. And so, in, uh, Stephanie, maybe you can help me, John 14, 26, it says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. And so there's a couple other scriptures here. You can go to the next one, Stephanie. Also in John 15, 26, again, it talks about when the advocate comes, who, whom will I send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, and he will testify about me. Okay, so with the way that Scott had kind of broken it down is, uh, you know, if we looked at it in terms of a courtroom, you'd have an advocate or a lawyer who would be the one that's presenting the evidence to the jury, right? And I kind of thought that was my job, was like I had to be the one to convince you that this is, that Jesus was the way, right? Because I felt, I felt that way, but I was struggling, right? I would struggle with that, and sometimes I wouldn't have the answers. Uh, I would say most of the time I didn't have the answers, and so man, I felt so much pressure. But the freedom came when I realized that I did not have to be the advocate or the lawyer. I could be just be the witness. My only responsibility was to be a witness. Is to, my, was to, uh, I wasn't supposed to be doing the convincing. I was just supposed to tell people what I've seen and what I've heard, what God has done, and what he said he would do. So I believe that your future is the intersection of, God, of what God has already done and what he said he would do. So that's kind of your future. So if you know what he's already done and you know what he said he would do, then that's kind of right where you're going to be at. I kind of uh, think about this in the terms of like David. David's one of my favorite characters um, in the Bible. Uh, lives kind of a crazy life. But I always kind of wondered early in his life, they talk about the... Um, the lion and the bear that uh, David killed in his youth, and like, why is that? It's, it's pretty cool. Um, I would love a chance to hunt something like that um, in a, I don't know, in a, in a cool way, but uh, anyway, um, so 
I would always wonder why that was included in there, um, but I think it's because when that smooth stone that came from David's sling hit Goliath right in the forehead, that was the exact intersection of what God had already done and what he said he would do, right? So in that case, there was a large giant that fell. If you don't know the story, we can talk about it more um, after service in the after party. Um, I think I might be the only one in the after party, but... Uh, but anyway, I think that's the, that's the exact intersection. So it's not my job to convince you, to guilt you, to trick you, to outwit you, to have all of your answers, right? That's not, that's not my job today. I feel no nervousness, no pressure in that, right? The Holy Spirit, who Jesus sent, which is God's Spirit, is in, is in you. And he will do all of those things, convict you sometimes of things that you, you didn't even remember that you were um, a part of. And so anyway, that's where we're at today. I have no pressure to, um, to go there. 2 Timothy 2.13, and Scott actually um, talked about this. It says, if we, are, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. So the story I'm going to tell you guys today is a story of even though when I'm unfaithful, he's still faithful. He's still, he's still there. That's his nature. His love is expressed many times through his faithfulness. So it's a story of encouragement. I'm going to tell a kind of a personal testimony that a lot of you have been a part of, that a lot of you may know some of this story, but there may be a few details that you don't know. And I do want to put a disclaimer on my story before I tell it. But the disclaimer to my story is that um, the past few years, a lot of us have gone through a lot of different things. And I'm not here to pretend to tell you that I've gone through the hardest thing in the world or that this is like, you know, feel, feel bad for me or, or uh, any of these type things. Um, I know a lot of you have gone through what I would consider much more difficult things than what I, what I went through. But I think my story might help. So I'm going to tell that. And... Um, also, I think my story is also just a time whenever kind of giving up kind of more and more seemed like a viable option for me. And so uh, some of you may be in a similar place right now. Um, I don't know, but sometimes giving up seems like it could be um, a legitimate thing. One secret to what I would say the, what, may, what might be the hardest thing to go through in life if you want to know what that is, I can, I can tell you. It's probably whatever you're going through in your own life. That's probably the hardest thing. Because in 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, Be alert and, sober mind, and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He's coming to steal kill, and destroy, right? So just because I think what happens a lot of times is um, we think that whatever we're going through is the hardest thing, and part of that is because we are so, our thoughts are bound by time. Time gives us a false perspective on things. If we could be outside of time and see where God is looking, where the way God sees things, we would look at certain things as no big deal, right? Whatever you might be going through today, I get it, and it is hard. But if we could look outside of time and see how God sees it, it wouldn't be that. It wouldn't be a problem. 
Because the way the devil comes around to devour, to steal, kill, and destroy, one of his favorite tactics to do, one, he can really only kind of speak to your thoughts. But those are powerful. Your thoughts are powerful. And so that's the way he can speak to you. And a lot of times his favorite tactic is to kind of start to kind of get you away from the herd, get you away from your friends, from your church family, from the people that you trust, kind of get you feeling bad for yourself. You isolate yourself a little bit. And then um, all of a sudden, you know, these things start creeping in. Oh, I'm the only one that's going through this. I'm the only one who could possibly understand what I'm going through. And I'm here to tell you, you may be going through some pretty serious things today. Or you may have just gotten out of it. But either way, that's not true. You don't have to walk alone in this. You don't have to. God, the Holy Spirit can be with you. He's the comforter. Another name for him is comforter. And so I'm here to encourage you today that you're you're not the only one. I remember a quick story um, about my wife, Pam. And this is back even before we were married. Uh, She was really, really struggling uh, with sleeping. I mean, it was like she would go weeks at a time uh, without sleeping. Well, maybe an hour or so a night. It was just like, it was very uh, not restful sleep. And so anyway, um, she she was struggling and felt like maybe she was going crazy and and whatever else. And I remember a time whenever things kind of started clicking a little bit for her was she started kind of sharing a little bit with others what she was going through. And there was a couple, she was sharing with a couple other women here in the church. And a couple of the other women were telling her, oh yeah, I I went through something like that. Uh, I I did something like that. And Pam was, had this like light bulb go on like, I'm not the only one who's ever struggled with sleeping for an extended period of time. And there started like being all these different things. And, and so then she started kind of learning techniques to help her with her sleep. And obviously that's not, you know, that's not as much of a problem unless our kids are, you know, causing our sleepless nights. But that problem is no longer an issue anymore. Yeah, amen. And so I think part of it was she would thought she was like one of the only ones who was going through that, but that just wasn't the case. So switching gears in October of 2019, I have to kind of share a little bit of this story. Um, October 2019, my job that I, I, I worked in uh, management at a manufacturing company, and um, there was kind of like these rumors going around about my job that uh, our company might be going under, and things were extremely stressful. People were leaving the company. I was taking on more responsibility, and uh, I would just say it was a very stressful time for me. And um, and so anyway, uh, during this time, I, I was just carrying that weight. I, was, I wasn't sharing that with anybody, but I was just, oh man, every day I'd go to work, it was miserable. You know, I, I knew I had to do a job, but it was, it was getting tougher and tougher. Um, also during this time, not very, very many people knew about this, but Pam, she was pregnant with our second child. And um, this was very early on. We hadn't even told anybody that we were pregnant yet. Um, but we had a situation that... Um, we thought that we, we had lost uh, the baby, Eleanor. And um, there was all this thing. We, we, I don't even know if we had gone to the doctor yet. But um, anyway, I was dealing with this, and nobody else besides her and I knew any of this stuff was going on because it wasn't the time to start telling everybody that we were pregnant yet. And uh, man, I was feeling tremendous weight. And the reason I want to tell you about this is I've never struggled with this before. I struggle with many things, and if you've hung out with me for any period of time, you know that I struggle with many things. Um, but, but 
one of the things I began to start to struggle with was almost like a depression type thing, and uh, I began to have like these panic attacks. I, in two particular instances at work, I began to have panic attacks. And I'm talking, uh, if anyone's ever had them, you might understand, but it was like a physical thing that I felt. It was difficult to breathe. Um, I was kind of like really upset and emotional and, you know, couldn't really like, it wasn't like one particular thing, but it was just all of these things weighing down me at once, right? And, uh, man, it was a pretty brutal, brutal time for me. And um, I, took a, I took a couple, like I was trying to figure out what was wrong and, and try to mitigate it myself. Um, ultimately, uh, what kind of started helping me a little bit was I began kind of sharing that I was dealing with this. And some of you have also shared with me uh, maybe similar experiences where you've dealt with like a panic attack, like a physical or, you know, very psychological, uh, you know, stressful thing. And um, now I'm not a psychiatrist. Um, I did not stay at a Holiday Inn last night, but uh, one thing that I know was helpful was I had the opportunity to share, right? And it didn't fix all my problems, but it was helpful. Now, this was in October of 2019. I'm old enough to remember, I don't know if any of you guys are old enough to remember, I'm old enough to remember in uh, March of 2020 that we had a COVID lockdown. Do you guys remember that? Okay, everything was like sort of shutting down. So I'm not sure if you remember that. There was fear. Um, uh, March 31st, which was the end of the month, the last day of the month, um, I experienced one of the most challenging and, and embarrassing moments of, of my life. And um, I was let go from my job, laid off due to, um, you know, the, the market conditions, the lockdowns, business level, everything was just, you know, crazy. Things were shutting down. And um, a handful, like, I, I don't know the exact number, but it was almost like 50% or something were, were uh, laid off um, from our company. And so, man, this was, this was not good. I, I brought up March 31st that this happened because um, it's kind of a trick, I, you know, it is what it is. I'm not here to like talk bad about things. I know other, a lot of companies do this, but Pam at this time, and I keep bringing up stories when she was pregnant, but it, I just, I swear uh, she's not always pregnant. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, this is March 2020, and uh, this time we had gone through the experience of not, um, you know, of we, we thought we lost Eleanor, we ended up, she was okay, there was another issue, but, that, but we could work through it, and it wasn't that big of a deal, and um, I was still a very scary time, but March 31st, I was laid off because um, end of the month, if the companies let you go at the end of the month, then they don't have to pay for your insurance the next month, and kind of how that whole thing works. Now, there's some other, like, things that because of the situation, some other ways we could work around this, but I have a seven-month, you know, seven-month pregnant wife and no insurance and really, like, everything's shut down. Nobody's hiring right now. Nobody's, nobody knows what is going on. And so uh, it, was pretty, it was pretty scary. My, my mind was, like, swirling. Um, I was feeling every emotion, fear, anger, frustration, bitterness. I felt rejected. I felt betrayed by certain things. I felt abandoned in some ways. I was feeling every emotion, and I didn't even know what emotion I was really feeling. I heard a guy recently uh, say something maybe kind of similar. He's like, I didn't know what I was feeling. I didn't know if I was irate, angry, or just mad. 
And uh, I was like, well, I think we know which one of those you, I mean, you're one of those, I would say for sure. Um, but anyway, I was feeling all these different emotions. Um, and unfortunately, and kind of, I would say, almost unbeknownst to me, I hadn't really realized this, but I had kind of built up, and this may sound a shocker, but I kind of had built up this false identity that was connected to my job and to my, like, kind of status a little bit. And so, like, when that gets taken away from you, you're just like, oh, my gosh, like, who am I? Who am I even? And I, I, before I had a lot of responsibilities. I had a lot of people who reported to me. We were responsible for millions of dollars. And so, man, I really felt like I had this purpose, but my purpose was all tied into this job. And now I was like, I didn't have this job anymore. And so it was a little bit like, uh-oh, uh, this, is, this is not good. So things kind of started in my own mind, uh, started swirling. And obviously the, this was a difficult time for all of us because we didn't know what was going on. And um, like we didn't know that we would be like now in week 1053 of two weeks to slow the spread. And we didn't know we would all still be at this time, right? I thought maybe, hey, this is going to be a couple month thing and everything will kick back on. Unfortunately, that, you know, that's not always been the case. And um, like I said, it was kind of a crazy time. Um, initially, I was kind of okay with, like after I kind of got through like the shock of it, I was kind of okay with it. Like I said, I didn't know how long this thing was going to last. But all of a sudden, I had all this free time. I, we didn't take a bunch of vacations at the time. So I was like, oh, man. The problem was like everything was shut down, so there was nowhere you could go. And then two, like we didn't have like a bunch of money that we could just like you know go you know spend a bunch of money on a you know remote island somewhere or whatever. So unfortunately, I was like, man, I have the time to do something, and it was like, yeah, but you don't have all these other things. So after a few months, things kind of started to pick up slowly, um, but the offers to get a new job were not flooding my door like the prestige of my University of Houston business degree, the academic institutional powerhouse that it is, you would assume, obviously, I would have all of these offers coming my way. Um, well, a lot of people weren't that impressed with it. I'm very impressed by it. Um, I love my school, but um, they kind of thought, hey, look, sorry, bud, uh, got nothing for you. So then, on top of those feelings I was kind of describing earlier, some more stuff started kind of coming into my mind. Uh, issues of doubt. Issues, like I said, of self-worth, of confidence. I began to think, like, is there anything that I could do that somebody would be willing to pay for me to do for them? I mean, I, I was like really wrestling with this. And these emotions were... Um, when I would do kind of like a self-diagnosis or a diagnostic test inside, I could spiritually start to see rotting and decaying happening inside of me, okay? And I knew this wasn't good, but there wasn't a lot that like, you know, when you see it, it's really like, okay, how do I mitigate this? Or how am I going to cut this thing out? Like, this is not good. I was dealing with bitterness. I was dealing with all of the things that aren't good. Um, I was frustrated with God. I was frustrated with myself for not maybe putting myself in a different position that I could have, you know, maybe survived some of this. Um, I was frustrated with circumstances. I was, uh, you know, would have the tendency to lash out at other people because, you know, they didn't agree with me on how I saw things. And uh, man, this like was not good. I could see things in my life starting to go south. 
I could see them start to go south. And I knew if I did not do something about the rotting and decaying in my life, that there could be catastrophic consequences. I had a wife. I had two kids to take care of. I had these things. I, I could not allow this to happen, but I wasn't sure how I was going to get out of this situation. So what I decided to do, um, I had the time. I, I actually went back and watched this because I, I created like a little mini documentary. Uh, nobody will ever see this mini documentary. Um, I filmed it myself. Um, but I decided I needed a, fra a factory reset. Have you guys ever heard of that? Like maybe you have a phone or something like that and you got to like wipe everything because there's a lot of stuff that's like viruses or whatever else is going on with your, your computer system. I needed a factory reset. So what I decided to do um, is I was going to uh, take a 72-hour kind of like, I don't know if the right word is like sabbatical or whatever, but I'm going into the wilderness. I'm going into the woods for 72 hours and I'm not going to speak to anyone. I'm not going to have, you know, I brought some supplies and things like that. Um, but I was like, hey, I got to get out of here like, my brain is just not operating in the way that it, that it should be. And um, I went on this factory set, and it was pretty cool. Honestly, I really in, kind of enjoyed it. If you get an opportunity to go out into nature, um, God's creation, uh, by yourself, uh, you know, make sure you're safe about it. But um, I had the opportunity to kind of go do that, and man, I had time to process some things that I was dealing with. I was trying to give God time to speak to me, and, uh, you know, I was trying to read his word. And then I also got to do, like, some fun stuff out in the woods, like just build things, and I kayaked down a creek, and, I, you know, I did a bunch of stuff. Like I said, I kind of made this whole really super embarrassing documentary. I went back and kind of watched it recently, kind of preparing for this, and I was like, this was terrible. Uh, but it was all kind of coming out of my, uh, it was all coming out of my head. So, but during that time, I, I had some, some time to realize, Zach, you have all these feelings, but here's the good news. You are not your feelings, right? You're not your feelings. You're not your feelings. I think God, I, I believe God created your feelings, and feelings are a good thing. You can feel and all that. That's all great, but I'm, that's not the definition of who I am. So I'm not, because I'm feeling anger or fear or doubt or all these whatever, that's not who I am. I don't have to be bound by those things. Because I think for me, Prior to all of this, I had a real desire to control things and put things in my hands, and I'll be the one to kind of determine the, the success and the, and the, or the failure of whatever project. I do like that. If I ever have the opportunity, um, I would never was like an amazing athlete, but uh, if I ever had the opportunity to like take the last shot, like I would want to be that guy that takes the last shot and uh, put all the pressure. It's all on me. I'll take the responsibility at the end if it doesn't work out. But I always kind of wanted um, that type of thing and that kind of control. But that was actually a response to fear and not of trusting in God and uh, his ability to kind of do things. I thought, hey, if I handle it, you know, at least I have it in my hands. Okay? So that was all part of it. There was a lot of, like, a lot of times your feelings can be temptations um, for things and, and, and lead you down paths that, you, that you're not wanting to go. So I'm just encouraging you today just to remind yourself that you are not your feelings, okay? Uh, there's kind of like this political thing, and I'm, and I'm not here to, to like talk about the uh, accuracy of this political statement, but there's this idea that uh, facts are, better, are greater than your feelings or whatever. And okay, whatever, we can discuss that at the after party, but uh, facts are greater than your feelings is fine, but 
But I would say one thing greater than the facts or the feelings is our faith. It doesn't matter what the facts are. It doesn't matter what our feelings are. Our faith would be greater than our facts and our feelings. So, um, I began this journey of reminding myself, hey, you're not your feelings, you're not your feelings. Just keep swimming. Uh, so many people in this church family were uh, such strong, amazing, um, positive role models in my life. But I will have to admit here, and I'm not like, like this isn't bad or anything. I would just say it was like so embarrassing because this was a, over a year-long process. And I would come in, and so many of you guys cared for me cared about me and wanted to, you know, I, I didn't have a job and we were working through things. I was kind of picking up some side jobs and doing some different things. But um, it was super embarrassing because like I would come in here and like, you know, hey, look, five or six, ten people might ask me, hey, how's the job hunt going? And uh, like it wasn't, you know, I had things always in the works that I was working on for this job search, but it was not going uh, great. I didn't have a job. So <clears throat> Every time I had to tell them, well, you know, I got this thing going, I think, and, uh, you know, try to stay positive about it. But, man, it was so embarrassing because, uh, you know, I just wasn't used to that. For 15 years, the last 15 years, really my whole adulthood, I always had a job. I just went from the one, I went to one job, and I just got promoted up, and then that led me to the next job, and I promoted up from there. And now I'm like, oh, man, what a loser. What a loser you are. Which, if you're feeling that today, about anything, it doesn't have to be, that's a lie. That is a lie. You're not a loser. I, f- I felt like that, and I tried to like let that motivate me, but uh, that was a lie. That was a lie. But I do love the encouragement um, of my church family, and my, obviously my family, uh, my extended family. They were just so amazing for me there. Um, I have a picture that I wanted to show. Here, let's see. So during this time, I had a little bit of time on my hands. I kind of started taking up some hobbies, and uh, I really got into, like, smoking meat. Um, I would, like, every meat, like, because I had time, I would, like, do my job search stuff in the morning, and then I would, like, I tried to cope with some of the stuff I was dealing with by, like, making brisket and smoking ribs and whatever and learning the science of all, of all of those things. And then um, I also got kind of into woodworking. That was not a finished project. That was a bed that my dad and I built for um, my daughter. We ended up putting a slide on it and uh, so you can kind of play underneath and you can sleep up top up there. Anyway, that was another thing we had. I kind of got into like hunting and uh, processing my own uh, meat and I don't know, man. I, I went down some rabbit trails. I had time. Like it's not, it wasn't good for me. Well, there was a lot of good things that happened, but I could just see myself like going all these different directions. I was trying to grasp at things to do with my time, and, uh, and I was struggling. But one thing I will say, and I need to make sure that I say this, is I wanted to talk about my wife, Pam, for just one moment, because uh, during this time, I'm feeling all of these crazy things. Um, not one time did uh, she make me feel bad that I didn't have a job, and not one time did she, you know, make me feel like I was less or, or whatever? Um, prior to those events, I thought that my role as a husband and, and father was to, like, shelter um, my family from, like, all the things that could come against them and keep them, like, I'll take care of all the bad things, and you guys kind of handle it in here. And I think there is a part of my responsibility that is that, that's taking care of my family and protecting them or whatever, but not forgetting the gifts that your spouse could be to you and allowing those gifts to operate in yourself. Um, I can share this with Pam. I think she'd be okay with me sharing this. Pam has, I would say, what's the right word? 
Um, very low amount of upper body strength, okay? So she's okay with this. So if we were in the garage, and just bear with me for a second, if we were in the garage and we needed to lift something heavy, like she would not be very good at that. Like if I had to lift something off the truck, like I gotta find somebody else. And I don't really want her, especially now I wouldn't want her lifting, but like, you know, the rare time that she's not pregnant, then <laughs> I would just say, I would just say, hey, can you help me do this? And it'd be like, no, she can't. She can't lift it. And that's okay. So if you compared Pam and I, and I'm not like by the world's strongest man by any sense, but if you compared us by our physical strength to be able to lift heavy things, um, I would be much stronger than Pam. Now, um, I also like to kind of bring this up too, um, because I think it's important. But God has gifted her with a lot of different things, including different muscle groups that I don't have, including the ability to hold a baby for hours at a time in her arms and be able to, you know, just soothe it and do all these different things. I call it like a, a love muscle that she has that like it's hard, it's not fully developed in me. And uh, like if I hold a baby for more than a couple minutes, my arm is locked and frozen in place and I'm just, I'm, I'm done. I have to like constantly move it and the baby's not sleeping and it's just, oh man, it's so tough, right? But she's able to do that. So if we measured her strength, um, by the ability for how long that we needed to be able to hold this baby, I would be extremely weak relative to her, right? Another quick little aside, uh, her and her sister and a couple of you guys in here, I know, have you guys ever heard of the show called Downtown Abbey? You've heard of this? The show called Downtown Abbey. And anyway, it's kind of this crazy show. They love it. This is like their World Series and their Super Bowl. Like when these, like a new series comes out, they love this stuff, right? It's all, like, I'm, I'll just give you a quick little synopsis. There's this guy, Mr. Darcy, I think his name is. He has, like, seven mansions or something, and it would be like, oh, something happened. Now he has to sell one of his seven mansions. And I would walk in the room, and they're all crying because he lost his, <laughs> one of his seventh mansions. And Mr. Kensington is coming in, and he's, they have to lose a butler because now they just, they don't have enough work for that butler. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're crying in this thing. And I come in and I'm just like, what are we doing right now? Like, what are we doing? This is a show and it's, it's ridiculous. And they named their house Abby. I think that's what it is. I'm like, it's like naming your house George or something like that, right? It doesn't make a lot of sense. Why would they name their house Abby? But they, got kind of, they would get kind of emotional about this. So again, I think this kind of fed into my idea that like maybe Pam couldn't handle like really heavy things. I was dealing with some heavy stuff. I was like, let me keep that from you. And uh, what I found out is the more that I shared those things, the more I could see her strength. All the time I'm fumbling and, and struggling to figure things out, she's like, come on, let's go. We're going. We, we can do this. We're going to figure it out. Just encouraging me, keeping me on my path, right? And so if, depending on how we were looking at it, emotionally, like, she, I would say she was kind of weirdly into the show and would cry about the show, but she could handle other things that I was like completely, you know, weak at. And so things weren't perfect for Pam and I. We were struggling with different things, um, kind of even in like our relationships with other people. Like I said, this was a, a kind of a turmoil-ish time. And I want to turn, uh, Stephanie, you can help me, First John three sixteen. It says, we know love by this that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, 
but in deed and in truth. And I have to tell this quick story, um, and I'm, I know they probably won't be happy about this, that I'm sharing this, but I just have to say, thank you, thank God for the Frenches. Steve and Tracy French, man, they are such amazing people, and if you haven't got a chance to meet them, uh, you should. But thank God for them. And I'm going to tell you a story. They, on a Sunday, this is early on in the, in the process, they came by our house on a Sunday after church, and they just said, hey, Zach, we need to talk to you and Pam. Uh, we just feel like God put something on our heart. And uh, they gave us like a large sum of money that they just felt like God was supposed to give, that they were told to give. And, um, the, you know, obviously the money was just like, why are you doing this? Like, you know, this is so kind. Um, we didn't under, fully understand it. But even more so than the money that they gave to us was the thought so they weren't just being somebody who was in, um, in word or in tongue saying that they supported me, but they were also doing it in deed and in truth. And uh, so many of you guys in here, this is why I wanted to tell this whole story, because so many of you guys in here were part of our story. And uh, I want to say thank you to so many of you guys who through this very difficult time um, were just so kind and generous to us, our families, uh, you know, church family in here. Um, we're always, one, you guys were, you know, it's good to say encouraging things, but also just giving to us, giving us gift cards, giving us money, doing these different things. We weren't asking for this. I hope we weren't giving off a, a idea that we were like, begging for things, but people were just like coming out of the woodworks like, hey, take this, take this, take this. And uh, I can say that because I can tell you right now it wasn't because of my own like strength that that stuff was happening. That was happening outside of me. Um, and so uh, this, all this stuff is going on. I spent uh, a lot of time going through interviews in my, in my job hunt and uh, things, like I said, were not going well. Um, I eventually hit a time when I was like, hey, I, I always kept coming up with these little schemes of how I was going to get my job. And I was like, you know, okay, I'm going to do this, do these five things and we'll find a job. And it wasn't working. Um, I'd never really kind of gone through this process. So I was struggling. Um, but I, I, I came up with like my last plan. This is all I got. So um, I decided on, this was like, January 1st, that I was going to, um, I talked to Scott, and I said, listen, Scott, like, I'm struggling right now. I need to figure some things out. I need a favor. Can you allow me just to have, like, a small cubicle office here at the church so I can, like, get up in the morning and, like, go somewhere and have somewhere where I can go and, like, do my work, uh, finding a job or whatever, and then in the afternoon, I'll just come by and, like, I'll help. I'll vacuum. I'll paint. I'll clean. I'll, I'll do spray weeds. I'll, I'll do whatever in the afternoon that, like, the church needs, I just need a place I can go. I need that routine, because I was somebody who, like, I like getting up early in the morning. I like going to place. And um, anyway, that was actually very super beneficial for me. Um, I was, uh, you know, I could, I could start seeing some, some benefits from that in my job search. Anyway, um, what happened was then another date that's probably important to you guys. I will remember this. It's February 15th of 2021. If you remember that, that's when the freeze happened here in Houston. Everybody's pipes froze, right? And then uh, subsequently, everyone's pipes bust, okay? And so I even had a pipe burst at my house. And uh, again, I didn't have a job during this time. It was kind of, you know, ah, this is crazy. But I remember like the night after my pipe burst, I called Lauren and I was like, hey man, what's going on? He's like, ah, oh, not much. I said, hey, uh, when are we going to start, uh, like, I know I've heard some other people's houses, their pipes were bursting. When are we going to go start like going to people's houses? And he's like, 
dude, I don't even have power right now. Why are you calling me? And I was like, because we got to like get out there and get going. And he was going to do it, but I think he was like so caught off guard by me, like, because I had nothing else going on. I was like, hey, we got to be going out and doing something. Uh, you know, my pipe got fixed. I was good. And uh, so we went around, uh, Mr. Dan, Mr. Ron, um, and Lauren and I, I don't know, we probably went to over 30 houses in a week or two um, stretch. And I don't know, yeah, yeah. It, it's good for them. It's good for them. Um, because here's the thing. My knowledge of plumbing is, uh, I would say it's demolition only. Uh, <laughs> so I can take care of something, but fixing it, that's going to be a lot more probably above my pay grade. But anyway, I actually did a couple of those things. So I think, Mr. John, like, if you haven't got that professionally looked at yet, like, you should probably uh, get that fixed. Because we were like, all we wanted to do was like, fix pipes and get them so the water could come back on. And we were like, hey, go find a, you know, a real plumber to fix some of these things. We were like capping things. And you know, I, don't, I don't know what, what, what all we did. Uh, but we were just trying to help people. Okay? And so we were going around. And one of the things that I got an opportunity to do, and I do believe this was part of my mission, uh, while I was kind of laid off to work. And I wanted to share this because not very many people um, had the opportunity to hear about this. But I wanted to throw this up on the screen. So uh, this beautiful young lady sitting in the chair there, um, that's Miss Lucretia. And uh, she's a wonderful woman who's been going to this church for a, a long time. She's such a faithful, um, amazing woman. And um, she happens to be a widow. Uh, she had lost her son, uh, who was one of my, you know, uh, I, I'd, I'd been with him for so long, and it was such a loved friend of mine, and uh, he was close to my age. She had recently lost him, and so she's kind of, she was kind of off on her own. During that freeze, kind of, she didn't really notice this at first, I don't think, but she had a pipe burst in her attic, and I mean, flooded her house, and uh, we, ha we had to do a complete gut job. So luckily, I was off of work. I had nothing else to do. So I was going, we went for like two weeks. We just ripped out drywall, because if, if your house has ever been flooded, you know you have to get everything off of the studs so you can air them out. And uh, so we like demolished this house, and uh, I don't see that she was here today, but if she was, if you guys see Miss Dewella, there's a scripture, um, and I want to make sure, in Hebrews, Miss Dewella is also somebody who was a big part of this, probably the biggest part of um, the success that happened here. Um, but I think, I'm going to let you guys in a little bit of a secret. I can't confirm this 100%, but there's a scripture in Hebrews 13.2 that says, Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Okay? So I'm here to tell you that there might be an angel that's like amongst us while we're even here, and her name might be Miss Duella, and I don't know that for sure. She, she would never tell you if she was. That's part of like, I think being an angel is like you can't tell them. So anyway, she basically took on this project herself and was basically became Miss Lucretia's caregiver. And uh, we got her into another place to live for, because this project took months. We had a contractor. Uh, Miss Lucretia has uh, connections in the insurance world. That was kind of her background. And so she helped get insurance involved so we could get all these things paid for. And uh, so we all were helping. And you can kind of see on the left here, that was like a finished, like a brand new part of the kitchen. Her house was like brand spanking new. And... Uh, I got to be a part of this because I didn't have a job. If I had a job during this time, I would not have been able to be a part of this because I would have been working or whatever. And so anyway, Miss Lucretia is such an, you know, she blessed me so much during this time. And uh, 
she still needs a little bit of help on things, like in her yard or whatever. So if you are somebody who, you know, wants to do something like that, get in contact with Ms. Duella. She can help coordinate um, some of those things and uh, just simple things around the house that could be helpful um, because that's part of what we're supposed to be doing, right? That's like pure undefiled religion, right? So we have all these things finished. We finished the house in June. Um, we, we had an amazing thing. I have to mention this one too. Um, we were here, my wife and I were here on a Wednesday night, and so many of you guys gave to us um, because you felt like God needed, said to do that. And, you know, again, I, I'm so appreciative of that, so humbled by those things. Um, and uh, we can't really thank you enough. The only thing we can do is make sure we do the right thing and uh, we live in a way that is worthy of, um, of those gifts. And so uh, I, we, we're very much appreciative um, of those things. And ultimately, God will be glorified in this situation. Again, this is not, because again, the whole, my whole story is, if I want to summarize it right now, it's just that um, none of this came from my own. This all came from God. And only he could be glorified in this situation. I thought maybe I might have a part in it. Unfortunately, I did not. So um, I did finally get an interview, though. Well, I've been on, well, I was on a bunch of interviews. I shouldn't say that. I was on, I went on so many interviews. I did so many conference calls. I, yeah, I don't know. It was just, part of that was also demoralizing. But I did get on an interview um, with a friend of a friend of a friend who didn't know me. And uh, they made a contact for me at a company. And um, like within a short period of time, within like 48 hours, uh, I was getting a call from this company saying the president of this division uh, is not normally in Houston, but he wants to speak to you tomorrow. Like, can you be in our office here in the Woodlands tomorrow? And uh, I was like, yeah, of course. I can be there right now. If you need me to, I'll just sit in the parking lot. I'll wait. I'll be happy to sleep in my car. No problem. Um, but anyway, the president was like specifically like saying, hey, I want to meet with this guy. He lives in Kansas City. And uh, turns out he's a, a really amazing guy. But, uh, but anyway, uh, I meet with this guy. The interview is going really well. I had unfortunately been on a, a few interviews that had gone really well that I thought, hey, we're going to turn into my job and turn into like, you know, my success story that I could just tell you guys and we'd all walk out on that. But um, unfortunately, this wasn't quite happening, but this interview was going well. And during the interview, he stops me and says, hey, this is going well. We like you. What have you, and I'm, I'm interviewing in an office right here in the Woodlands, right off research. I'm, this is like 10 minutes from my house. I'm like so pumped. I'm like, man, this is great. During the interview, he's like, hey, what do you think about Kansas City? I was like, I don't know. I've never thought about Kansas City. I mean, the only thing I know about Kansas City is they have like pretty good barbecue and their football team is pretty good. But other than that, like I don't even know Kansas, like, anything about Kansas City. I've never been there. And uh, anyway, he was like, listen, we want to hire you. You've got the skill set that we want. But the thing is, I don't have any work for you in Houston. I need you to go to Kansas City. I was like, ah. He's like, okay, so talk to your wife and uh, see what you said. I was like, okay, you do not want me to talk to my wife about this because this will not go good. I promise you that. So he said, we have a spot for you, but he's like, I'll try to find Houston, um, but it's probably going to be Kansas City. He told me that in the interview. When I got out of the interview, Pam's asking me how it went. I was like, I think it's going well. He said, maybe Houston. He said, but there might be some other spots too. But he really said, probably Kansas City with maybe Houston uh, if I can try to work something out. But I was like, hey, look, I don't know. He's going to work it out. We'll figure it out. So she's all like excited. This is possibly going to work out. Um, it turns out they make an offer to me and uh, I accept the offer. 
but it is in Kansas City. And it's like, oh man, this is going to be tough. So I tell Pam, and like, remember I was telling you like she was so strong, like she was not happy uh, about me telling her Kansas City was going to be the option. She was upset. This was like one of the first times I actually saw her upset was when I got a job. And uh, I was like, I thought this was the plan. Like I was trying to do this and um, she was upset. But then we talked about it and I was like, listen, we don't know how this whole thing is going to work out yet. I'm going to go up there for a period of time. I'm going to commute back and forth and then, uh, you know, you can stay here. And when I told her that, you thought she would have won the lottery because she was like, I, my husband's getting a job and I get a vacation from him. Like this sounds like this might be an amazing uh, situation. She realized she wasn't going to have to be the one to move to Kansas City. And so anyway, we did that for a while. Um, it, on I had a lot of peace about this job. And a lot of people like, were like, hey, what are, what are you doing? Like, this doesn't make a lot of sense for you to do this. And, uh, and honestly, on paper, it didn't really make a lot of sense. And what's crazy is I went on an interview, uh, I went up for a job, or no, no, an apartment like search up in Kansas City for four days. While I'm up there, I'm getting contacted by two other companies here in Houston who are saying, hey, we really want you to bring you on. I had had like almost zero offers prior to this. I accept a job and I'm basically having these two companies. I come back and I have four days in between the time that I come back to Houston and I got to go back to Kansas City to start my job. And I interviewed with a company while I was here because I still wanted to be here in Houston. They offered me a job while I was here in Houston. And I was actually kind of mad about it, to be honest with you, because I'd already accepted this job, and I was like, God, why would you do this? Like, I, I wanted a job. I would have accepted this job prior to this event. Um, but anyway, like, why is this coming now? Long story short, I had to go by what I felt peace by. And um, I felt peace by going to this job in Kansas City. And they, they didn't promise me to come back to Houston. They said, hey, we're going to do our best. Best case scenario, we see one year uh, you're going to be up in Kansas City, and then we'll have you back one year. And I was like, okay, okay we'll figure it out. Um, so, okay. But they didn't promise me anything. So I go up there. I'm doing my thing. About three months in to the job up there, uh, I get a call from some guys down in Houston. Their company is kind of all over the country. And they said, hey, I heard you were trying to get back down here to Houston. We got work down here. Like, how quickly can you, can you start with us down here? And I was like, it's like a 14-hour drive. This is like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I was like, I could probably be there by tomorrow morning if I drove. I, I could drive through the night. I could be there tomorrow. If you need me to, I'll start. Like, I'm, I was so pumped. And uh, I got an opportunity to be doing something similar to what I was doing in Kansas City, but here in Houston. And I uh, got put onto an onto amazing team. And uh, anyway, God worked that whole situation out. I had to trust him and walk through and trust his faithfulness. But he worked uh, that situation now. I have a job. I have a job as of today, so I could go in tomorrow and might not have a job. I don't, I don't think that's the case, but hey, listen, the cool thing is now my identity and hope and trust is not in, those, in that job anymore, so I could go into work tomorrow, and if I lost my job, I, can, I would be kind of bummed because it's a, it's a fun job, but um, if it happens, hey, it happens. That happens to a lot of us out there, and it's going to be okay because my identity is not tied into this. So, the temptation now would be that I had a job is to be like, hey, thanks God for all you did because all of that was all you. Like literally it was all him. Like I hadn't, I could not have done any of the things that happened. And uh, the temptation would be like, hey God, thank you for that miracle. Thank you for that thing that you did for me. I got it from here. Okay, you did you, you did you. Now I'll do me. I'll take it back over. I can take my life back over. I got it. And let me, let me handle this. But the thing is, walking in the kingdom, that's not how it's, that's not how it's supposed to be. We're supposed to always walk in this faithfulness. He will always be faithful, but we're supposed to continue to walk in this faithfulness. So, 
I have the opportunity, or I had the opportunity during this time to, and this is kind of like a, a, a gambling term, but I had the opportunity to put my money where my mouth was. If any of you guys have ever heard that. Um, and in the sense of, I would say that like I trusted God and I believed in him and he's faithful and he's loving and he's all these different things. But now I had a chance to say like, okay, you say that now, what are you going to do about it when it's time? This was a time where I really had to walk it out. I had to walk my faith out. So, I'm here today to tell you a long-winded story, and I'm here to encourage every single one of you who are here. 1 Thessalonians 5.11. It's up there, Stephanie. There we go. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up. Hebrews 24, 25 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So we're called to encourage one another. I'm telling you guys all of this today. Hopefully it encourages you a little bit. But I'm here to also encourage you to share your story. Tell tell what God has done in your life. We talk about what has God done and what did he say he would do, right? There's people in here, and I think some of you guys are sharing this, but some people in here, you have some amazing stories to share. Danny, you have a story to share. People need to know your story. People need to know it. Weston, Alyssa, I don't see her, but your son, in, in our own world, he shouldn't be here, but he's here, and he's a miracle and I'm so thankful for your son. Can we do this? Can we just pray for Alden? Um, this is their son. He's got an amazing testimony. Maybe they'll get a chance. If you don't know his story about his life when he was born, it is such an amazing thing. But we're going to pray for Alden because here's the thing. God has a plan for Alden. He doesn't do things on accident. He doesn't do things, you know, for no reason. He does them for a reason. Well, we're going to pray real quick. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for Alden. We thank you, God, that you have your hand upon his life, that, uh, He's such a blessing to so many people that he comes in contact with, that you guide his steps all the days of his life, that he will serve you and be an amazing testimony to the amazing wonders and love of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And there's so many of you guys out here. Mr. Ronnie, you have a story. You have a story and people need to hear it. People need to hear it. And I'm sure you are sharing those stories. But those stories build, build each other up. Those stories are like, hey, when we're going through something, hey, I've gone through something similar. We can do this, right? So we need to share our story. Now, here's the cool thing, and we're, we're getting close to wrapping this up, so we're in conclusion, but we'll see how long. 1 John 5, 9 says, if we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For the testimony of God is this, that he testified concerning his son. The one who believes the son of God has a testimony in himself. And the one who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has given concerning his son. So you can share your testimony and I can share mine. And we're gonna, hopefully you'll, you'll do that. That's good. But ultimately, there's a much better testimony than mine.
much better than Ronnie's, and Ronnie's got a good one. There's a much better one. And that's the story of Jesus. It's not a complicated one. It's actually not. I kind of wanted to break it down for you. I had this little whiteboard up. This is kind of an easy way to remember it. I like it. When we're talking about Jesus, here's this thing. There was God up here. He came down. Okay? God came down. He was perfect. He was sinless. He did miracles. He laid his hands on the sick and they recovered. He, he broke chains. He did all of these things. He preached the new covenant of his love. And because of that, they killed him. They murdered him. They murdered him. So, I don't know if you guys can see this. I'll turn it a little bit here too. They killed him right here on this thing. Okay? Here's the good news. He died here. His blood was spilled for you. But he was then buried. So we kind of like to draw a symbol like this. He was buried. It looked pretty rough. Our champion, he was down. He was down for the count. This was our champion right here. But here's the good news. On the third day, and I may not be saying anything too crazy here, but on the third day, he rose again. He rose again. And he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And not only that, he said, you can spend eternity with me. He said, you can experience my love and my spirit right here, right now. You don't have to wait till the end. So, he went to heaven to prepare a place for us. But here's, here's some of the best news you'll ever hear. Right here. He's coming back. So, he's coming back. And I like to call this, me and my buddy Danny, uh, we like to call this uh, the cheat code to life. If you've ever played any video games or anything, sometimes there'll be cheats. And you've got to hit up, down, left, right, A, B, you know, hit the trigger button, do all these different things. Noah, you know about it. And so, so you have this here, right? But I'm telling you this right here, this is the cheat code to life. It's not even a cheat, it's free. It's free to you. It is free to you. It says in Romans 6.23 that for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And Romans 10.9 says if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And see, that wasn't free. It wasn't free. Jesus had to pay a heavy price for that. But the good news is, it's free to you. Okay? It's free to you. And I'm not here to like, we're not going to raise our hands, whatever. This is what the Holy Spirit is talking to people in this room right now. He wants to be Lord of your life. He wants to be able to give you the freedom to break the chains of addiction, to break the chains of depression, to break the chains of whatever that thing that you're going through is. You can't do it on your own. You can try, do your best, self-help yourself, self-medicate yourself, but here's the deal. Jesus 
is the one who brings the freedom. He transforms the life. He brings his love that makes you a new creature. So, I like to say, here, they had our champion down for the count. Just remember, our champion is coming back. He's coming back, and I think that's the best news I can tell you. I can tell you good stories that happened in my life. I didn't tell you all the details that happened in my life, but there is, a, there is good news. There's good news. Last scripture that I want to say. 1 Peter three fifteen. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord and always be prepared, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But, but, do this with gentleness and respect. Do this with gentleness and respect. You can do this by sharing your testimony, opening doors to share his testimony. Testimony of men is good and should be shared. But his testimony is way better. So, if I had one thing I wanted to tell you guys today, it would be tell your story and tell his story. Right? Tell your story, tell his story. You do those, you don't have to do any of the convincing. I don't have to convince you. You can, you can research all this on your own. You can research this whole, all these codes to yourself. Figure it out. I don't have to. I just have to tell you about it. Holy Spirit, he'll come in. He'll do his thing. And that, that encourages me. That encourages me. So, we can have our prayer partners come up here. I thank you guys for listening. Tell my maybe convoluted, uh, long-winded story, but I'm just so grateful for the opportunity to be part of his hands and be in his feet. So we're going to pray. I'm going to be praying that God gives you, he gives you a nudge. Holy Spirit gives you a nudge to talk to that person at your job or your neighbor or whoever that you might come in contact with. And if you don't think you have a story, you do. You do. So we're going to be praying that you have the courage to do those things. I'm also going to be praying for those who may not be believers in here today, but you heard this message and you said, ah, that's pretty interesting. Uh, you should check it out. I gave you a blueprint to like the start process of it, but it's just a start. And the way that we can, from that point, it, it requires some maneuvering and doing some different things. We can help you out here. We can help you here. If you want that, we have home lives, we have different groups that meet, that do different things, so we can help you figure all the other things out. But that's up to you. So let's pray, and then we can go have lunch. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. God, you are so good. Thank you for touching my heart, for being here in this service today. You're so good. We love you so much. I just pray right now that you are touching people's hearts, that you're ministering to them, where there may be despair and bitterness, fear. God, that you are the answer to those questions. And Jesus, I thank you that you are touching their hearts, that you're giving them hope, that they are encouraged, 
that you are faithful. Even when we're not faithful, you are faithful, God. And I thank you for that. And I thank you for everyone in this room who has a story to tell. I pray that that story gets out. It's a secret no longer. That lives in, and minds will be touched because of the stories that are in this room. And finally, Lord, I thank you for your story. Sending your son, Jesus, dying across for us and rose again and coming back again. I thank you for that, God. You are touching hearts as we speak. People are accepting you. People are committing themselves. We love you so much. I just pray for everyone in this room. Psalms 91, you keep your angels charged about them in all of their ways. We pray for our pastors and our missionary friends. And God, you are with them. You're keeping them safe. No sickness, no disease will come near them. We just thank you for that, God. We thank you. Thank you, guys. You're good to go. All right.